Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. All right, so we have talked about AI and education, which was probably one of the most important things that people, I guess, if we look at like what's what's underrated or not talked about as much, right? AI and education is not really talked about as much, right? We talked about customizing textbooks, course uh, creation, things like that, you know, but another hot topic that comes to mind for me, right? And I know it's something that is close to you and close to your heart, right? is is ai and religion okay so when we when we talk about that you know that's something that people don't talk about as much and they probably try not to because they don't want to (laughs) intertwine the two right because you think about a worst case scenario is that we have two worlds you have technology right the world and you have religious world right they kind of separate it Mm -hmm. and when i look at throughout my college career i'm taking physics and all this good stuff right you have things that you believe are factual Right. And your religion is like faith. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I believe in this because I cannot touch it. I haven't seen it, but there's faith there. Right. You know, and if the machine were to possess the ability to think like a human, you know, or 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 a machine were able to make decisions like autonomously. Right. Mm-hmm. Then should it be considered a person? Right. <laughs> That's I, the question. I, I, you ask, right? question. Yeah. <laughs> so what's, what, what's your thoughts on AI and religion? You know, how uh, how do you believe they those those things should actually intertwine? Right. You know, you yeah. have the religious communities that probably have a significant state in this conversation, because throughout years before AI started to become something very tangible, very important. Right. Uh, a various faiths would hold a strong opinion on things. And and it regarding like creation and, and of the soul and all that mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? You know, and as AI starts to move forward, you have researchers, you have doctors out there, you have people that are creating theories and all that good stuff. They're starting to engage in those experiments to prepare for the future. You know, so what's your thoughts on AI and religion and how to intertwine? So at the at the like very, very top level, right? I think one of the things you said that really, you know, like resonated with me is this notion of, you know, technology and religion being these two separate worlds and like never the never the two shall meet. And that's actually something that I I just sort of at the core, I think like that doesn't have to be the case. And like I, I, I first of all, I fundamentally agree, like a huge number of people absolutely do view it this way. Like these are two opposing forces. Um, there's actually something I encourage like everyone to Google this. It's called pantheism. Um, and yeah, and, and it's actually, if you kind of look back, this is sort of, a, a you know, religious system philosophy. I think the, the line between those two is, you know, necessarily pretty blurry, right? But a huge number of sort of famous scientists, you know, Tesla and Edison and, you know, like all, all these folks, right? Actually adhere to this kind of belief, which um, it, it kind of is reminiscent of, you know, Newton's old, you know, God is the best clockmaker in the world sort of analogy, right? Uh, And the idea is really that, look, like we know we have creative forces in the world, right? Like humans do stuff, right? And stuff happens as a result, right? And the the assertion that many religions then jump to, right, is like, okay, there's uh, like conscious motivation behind that, right? Mm -hmm. And pantheism sort of assertion is like, whether or not there is a conscious motivation behind that, like the forces exist and stuff happens, 
right? So does right. it does it really matter, right? Doesn't you know, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's you know it, it's kind of funny, right? Because like in in there's there's some you know like pantheistic Christian sects that say like this is totally like synonymous, but then uh, the like flip side, this notion that you know the the like consciousness or you know God, if you will, is separate from us mm -hmm. as opposed to you know, separate from us and acting through us as opposed to literally us, which, you know, when I define it that way, it seems like such a, such a slight difference, right? And mm -hmm. indeed it, it's the difference between pantheism and panentheism, right? It's, it's like mm -hmm. those two letters, but those two letters almost, right? Like that's, that's like what, a I think that's what a lot of organized religion is based on. I just, I don't think that's the most important aspect, right? I think that there's always going to be things that we don't know, right? And I think religion fundamentally is just like a codified way that you decide to fill in those blanks. Like everyone's got a religion, right? And I don't think there's any any conflict with that in technology. And certainly like I consider myself both highly religious and obviously, you know, highly technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree, right? I mean, growing up, uh, going through college, um, it was you have this fact, right? And you have faith. And I always thought, man, I, I, I grew up in church, right? You know, that's how mm -hmm. I grew up, you know, to my mother, you know, going to church, things like that. My father, my mother, and my father both going to church, even now to mm -hmm. this day, mm -hmm. too, right? And that doesn't mean that I don't have something like uh, solid, right? Something grounded, right? Like a faith that I believe in. But also, you know, you have facts that are out there, right? I, I believe in not fighting against the machine, sort of joining the machine because it's almost inevitable, right? It's, it's going yeah. to take over. Why not figure out a way to to merge the two, right? You know, I mean, eventually yeah. religious groups, if it, re religious groups in the meantime are going to really have to introduce that to even succeed and kind of kind of uh, uh, further their career and further whatever they're trying to do with it in, in their religion. Right. I, and honestly, right, I mean, I think when you look at the benefits of religion, like the the tiny little literal interpretations of obscure, you know, like passages, it's it's so unimportant. That was always my view. Right. And, and so like I went to a Methodist preschool, for instance. Right. And, you mm -hmm. know, like we, we, you know, every single day we'd have sermon. And I remember raising my hand at one point. Right. And saying like, oh, you know, like and I don't even remember what it was, but it was some story where some impossible thing happens. Right. I'm like, you know, yeah, that yeah. never happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they got so mad. And I remember just being really confused and being like, well, why does it matter if it couldn't literally happen? Right. right. Like it's still like a story and like the story still has has a value like it doesn't. And I remember just being so confused by how fixated they were on whether or not like the thing literally happened. And I'm like, right. I don't know. Right. I, I always I was always really confused by it. Right. Because it sort of feels like you're missing the forest for the trees. Right. Oh, forest with the trees. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I do like I like that concept. Right. Because so when I look at even my son growing up and mm. children growing up. Right curiosity comes to mind, right? Because well, yeah. what you did was say, I'm curious about this, right? I'm raising my yeah. hand, I'm trying to figure it out, what's going on, right? And that's what technology is, is kind of about to me. You know, when you're thinking technology, you're thinking mm. machine learning, you think artificial stuff, you're thinking future, right? Predicting the future, things like that. It's just, hey, I'm just curious about what the future holds. And I'm trying to figure it out, right? You know, we all are curious, but then sometimes we say, "Hey, I'm gonna leave it in, 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 in the higher power's hand," right? You know, mm -hmm, versus mm -hmm. versus saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to let technology show me because there's data behind it, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna use that," right? So, yeah. you know, you can trust either one, but I think that all that that there's certain parts, 
where they can kind of merge a little bit, right? Totally. Where religion can be able to say, hey, look, I can use some of this predictive analysis. I can use some of this AI, some of this, you know, stop. Uh, if you, you're, you're thinking about autonomous vehicles, right? You know, being able to say, I'm going to stop and I hit this car because <laughs> because I'm just because I've been able to know, you know, what has been implemented in, in, in place, right? You know, so something as simple as that, you know, religious groups can use that. They can use AI. Don't fight it, right? You know, just kind of uh, embrace it and merge it and love it, you know, and, and, and pick and choose what, what benefits you and what you want to do going forward in the future. Yeah, I, th I think the most powerful sort of like tenant of any religion, right, is the the embrace of doubt, right? I think yeah. that you can kind of draw like a, a like stark line, right? I think that there's there's you yep. know, religious views out there that are like doubt is like awful, it's unnatural, and like you got to stamp it out from your mind, right? And there's other mm -hmm. views that are like nope, like doubt, you know, that is a totally normal thing, like curiosity, doubt, like that is a, a part of the human experience. Like you got to embrace it. You got to see it through. Right. And right. that, that really, like, I just, I, I'm so very much in that camp. And, and that's a lot of what I think is, is key, you know, both in, you know, really critically in AI, right. Is that, that idea that you're going to re-examine the assumptions you have, right. And figure right. out if maybe there's a better approach. Right. Right. Dude, this is so random right you know it just it just made me think about it uh, your thoughts on you know is it is it a matter of like what your interests are right growing up right is it is it a like whether you decide to say i want to mix both or ai and religion and then also whether i want to just say with religion or ai because when i when i when i look at the way i've grown up right you know it was mm -hmm. religion right but then i got into college and then and then technology became something that was so fast physics is what really made me say hey you know you're talking about the black hole you're talking about all this stuff this has happened they're saying because based off of the data they found based off of facts right i can touch it so it feels yeah. good to say i can touch this i know it i believe it right and then it kind of uh fights against what people who have grown up and not experienced things like that right physics like things that you and i have experienced mm -hmm. where we can say that do you think that um it, it actually plays a role you know it, what do you think that you you could you could say that the reason why some people are not willing to maybe intertwine the two is because um because they, they haven't experienced is exposure right I, I think that's I think that's a part of it. I think that another big piece of it, you know, and and a lot of it is is time, right? I think that you know younger exposure certainly would help. But you know, as you get older, there's sort of this notion that like changing your mind, I think it becomes harder and harder and harder, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's sort of like if you decide, hey, actually, you know, this this other interpretation is okay. Like I don't need to fight against X so hard or whatever. Right. You're sort of like, oh, well, you know, me of a year ago, you know, oh, what a jerk and an idiot that guy. Right. right. And I think right. sort, of, sort of similarly, there's like two ways that you can respond to that. I think reasonably it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. But I mm -hmm. think you can either say like, oh, that's uncomfortable. I won't do it. Or right. be like, wow, it's uncomfortable. But the only thing that would be more uncomfortable would be not doing it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, but, but I think, you know, like like uh, like in the life of Pi, right, is, you know, you'd be shocked what humans can get used to. And, and I think it is very, very easy, especially when folks have kind of like practiced those sort of you know like approaches to things to kind of cut off parts of their mind just like not like i'm not going to think about x like that doesn't really mesh but like i'm just not going to think about it 
right? And I think people are really, really like frighteningly good at that. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's part of it is just, you know, it's practice in, you know, taking parts of your life and be like, I will not apply critical thinking to X, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's, that's a practice. Like you have to, like you said, that's, that's something you have to, it's a gift if you will, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really yeah. And, and, and it's something that, you know, like you can, you can very easily, you know, it's something that atrophies, I think, like anything else. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's, let's, let's go back to, because education is such an interesting topic to me, right? You know, I have two kids and then, and, and I'm always interested in education, even before the two kids, right? I'm like obsessively interested in like learning and gaining more knowledge, right? Yeah. So I've been through, Plenty of programs, but one of the most fascinating programs I have been through, even going through college and then high school, was more of a STEM program, right? Science, technology, engineering, mm -hmm. and math. Okay. And and so when when people create those programs, they're so important to us because what we start to realize is that uh, those programs help us um, with our future, right? Those programs help us. Uh, gain so much knowledge, even outside of science, technology, engineering, and math, right? Oh, Just cre creative thinking, right? You know, being able to have critical thinking skills, things like that, right? Being able to mm -hmm. just have exposure. I always say exposure is key. And you're exposed to those types of things. It's so important. But then I do see there's there's problems, right? With, when it comes down to uh, bringing in STEM to the environment, right? You know, yeah. and 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 we and 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 a lot of people don't understand that. You know, STEM is such a major part of our world um, just going forward, even if you don't do anything in science, technology, engineering, math. But if you get somebody involved with that, the exposure is key. OK, mm -hmm. you know, and and yeah. so I want to know and this is coming from me. This might be a personal interest of mine, too, uh, mm -hmm. because I want to create conferences. I want to create focus groups and things like that only on STEM and with children and with, uh, with, 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 with children and even adults, right. To try yeah. to be able to help them understand the importance of being able to, un to, to include STEM into their life and stuff. And so, yeah. you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on making, how can we make STEM more inclusive? How can we, how can we continue to, um, embrace them? How can we, uh, embed that into the educational systems and things like that. Yeah. I, I Okay. So I'll probably, there's just so much on this topic. I know it is. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> where, where do I start? Right. It's like, okay. So I think, I think, you know, first uh, and foremost, right. Um, I think that one of the big like macro issues with education is that we don't give kids a lot of flexibility in oh. what they uh, go and do right and what they decide to learn right uh so i think that's that's one one key in all of this that i think is is difficult and and really trying mm -hmm. i think that um another thing and it's sort of a you know sort of this uh i don't know it's a recursive problem if you will right which is that when you don't have stem teachers right or, or you know when when you it's like because we have neglected this part of the education system for so long, right? It means we've got a serious dearth in good STEM teachers, right? Which then means our ability to offer STEM classes, right, more broadly, mm -hmm. is then also fundamentally limited, right? Which then just kind of goes and repeats the cycle, right? Which is tough, right? Um, I think one thing that I think at like a macro level, and I will say that um, my, 
you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the way I describe it, I kind of survived in the traditional K through 12 education system by, by the skin of my teeth, right? I just <laughs> barely, barely, barely made it through. Uh, mm -hmm. and then, and then went to a school, uh, uh, college actually, like that was very much like a Montessori style education for engineering, right? It's called Olin college. Very oh. awesome. And they actually do a lot of research there on, and it's specifically engineering education. So it's not, it's not the whole of STEM, but this question, right, of how do we change it to to improve it? Because, uh, I don't know, the, the assertion sort of being that we're, we're not very good at it. I think one of the big issues that I see that makes me so, so frustrated, and I think we'll kind of link to this probably a little bit at the end of the talk as well, um, mm. is sort of this gatekeeping aspect to it, right? I think that especially, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of folks kind of have this notion like, it was hard for me to learn. Right. And so it's going to be hard for you to learn as well. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> so actually, and, and this is actually one of the things that I think is um, cause, just because I think it, I don't know, again, it, it's a huge topic, but I think the privatization of schools is a, a topic in this mix. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always thought was really interesting uh, and, you know, I went to public school my whole life. Uh, and I'm a huge proponent of public schools and public, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, private schools are so good. And I said, absolutely. No, they're not. If you look at the top schools <laughs> in the country, they are public, period, mm -hmm. right? And, and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that. So I did, did some more digging. And it's actually really funny because when you look at private school, right? And, you know, I think some people are, are big proponents of them. Um, the only metric that you can show private schools uh, outperform public schools in is parental satisfaction, Mm. which is so interesting, right? Oh. And it turns out that in practice, parental satisfaction is actually really tied to whether the way their kids are being learned is hard and whether it's close to the way that they learned. So the thing that's really strange, because also private schools, they've got crazy amounts more resources than public schools. So you would expect them to perform better, but they don't. Uh, and, and what it actually turns out is that parents force private schools because they're the ones making that decision to actually use less effective education methods because it's closer to what they did and they don't trust new education methods. But again, like we, we have gotten better at educating people in the last 60 years. So yeah. I think that's, it's another thing that's, that's really tough is that people have this notion that STEM education should be, you know, rote memorization, right. And just like algebra problems till you puke. Right. And, and frankly, I just don't think that's, a great way of educating. I think that, uh, you know, Finland has done a, an incredible job of changing the way we look at K through 12 education by making it heavily, heavily play-based, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we look at STEM, like nowhere other than STEM, I think is that is that more incredible. Like if you give someone- you like Gamification when you say play-based? Even, even it, it's just like giving kids tools and saying like, play, just like do oh. what you want. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, the the most incredible. So I, I showed up at college. I didn't know anything at material science, but there was a scanning electron microscope that they let us use. And it turns out, like, if you got some guy and there was some guy that worked there that knew how to maintain the thing and work it, they're, they're not that expensive to, to own. But just having access to this, like I learned so much. N no one honestly had to tell me anything other than, like, pick a project. Tell me something you think is fun. Right. And, and I think, you know, we just really underestimate the I think there is a profound intrinsic motivation in people to learn. I think there is that curiosity. But I think that we we kind of um, in treating education more like daycare, I think we, we actually weed that out of kids. Right. 
Uh, yeah. So uh, sorry. That's a. I realize we just like spanned a whole bunch of stuff, but that's some of it. You bring up an amazing point, you know, and when you say, I took keywords for that, Thank right? you for listening to The Data is for My me, Science Podcast, the show that makes data which was flexibility, right? Your which host, was very important. And data. one word that I derived from everything that you just said was what? exposure, right? Exposure to me is so key, right? And and people, and, and, it, and it hit me one time when my son was very, very, very young. And he said, this is something simple, nothing to do with tech, but I can take this and and and, and put it in technology terms as well or, or phrases. But uh, when my son was, oh, I had to be like seven years old, right? One kid that he went to, he went to school with, mm. he ended up going over the, I think over the summertime, he traveled across the world, right? Came back and said, hey, look, I... I know all these things, right? You got all these cool things going on. You know, he went to China, he went all these different places and he, he said it, right? So my son came home and he said, dad, man, this kid is so smart, right? He knows everything in the world. He knows everything about everything, right? And, and, and I said, well, why do you say that? You know, why, you know, he, he made it seem as if he was not as smart as that kid, right? I'm like, you're only seven years old, eight years old. You know, what do you, what do you mean? So, uh, uh, what he, the way he explained it, it was all about exposure. The kid was exposed to those things. So therefore he was able to come back and say, Hey, look, I know all these cool things. Right. So then I took him the next summer. I mm. say, look, we're going to go to Bermuda. We're going to these places and stuff. You're going to see yeah. pink skins here. You're going to do all these different things, right? Save the port. Right. He went there and he came back and 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 I realized that that was the right move to make. So if you if you take that aspect and you take that um, the theory of exposure. Right. And you implement that into STEM as well. If, if we expose our kids more. Right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the, the parental satisfaction uh, <laughs> thing that you talk about. If we it, yeah. like if I was to say, hey, look, I am parentally like satisfied with exposing my kid to STEM on a regular basis. I, I mean, I told you before, right, when we talked about it, that my that my son is in Python classes, right? And, the age of right. and he's he been doing that since he was nine years old. So obviously he's going to be smarter than the average person in Python when he gets to like 30, maybe, you know? Yeah. Right? Because if he continues to implement that into his life and he I, loves it. And, and you know what? Even if he doesn't do that, right? right. He's going to be well served. <laughs> it is one of the things I, I tell people. And, you know, I had this uh, crazy experience when I was on my gap year. Like, I really wanted to do research at UCLA. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like a really smart math kid. Like, I knew a lot of science, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, great. Like, I think that should be enough, right? Yeah, right. It's not. It, it turns out for pretty much anything that you want to do, like a little bit of programming knowledge, not not even much, right? Like just a little bit of programming knowledge. It, it's oh, like yeah. a superpower, right? As it turned I out, know. I just remember being, I, I was so frustrated because all of the research I wanted to do, I was like, oh, well, I want to test this math equation. It's like, well, I have to figure out how to code it. Oh, shoot, mm-hmm. right? It's like, or like, hey, I just want, you know, someone to be able to like put some values into a form, right? right. Just, again, super, super basic stuff. But it's like, oh, you know, I need just like, a little bit of programming knowledge to do everything that I want, right? Mm-hmm. But like at the time I didn't have it. So I just got super frustrated and, and quit, right? But now I just right. tell people it's like, no matter what you do, like 
a little bit of programming knowledge will be like a superpower. I completely agree. No matter what you do in life, a little bit of programming knowledge would help you through it. I mean, when you talk yeah. about critical thinking, thinking outside the box, I don't care what you do. It would it would make you feel like you can do anything. Right. I, I was a yeah. programmer. I started off as a um, I was a programmer. So I always say if you're if you start off in, I mean, it's no offense to the networking guys, right? The hardware people and stuff, right? But but the people who deal with hardware on a regular basis, it's harder for them to understand programming, right? But if you start off as a programmer, and you, which I did, I was doing Java development, right? When I when I first started, that was the first thing I started with, and then C plus plus and things like that, and mm -hmm. I got into it, and I and I didn't even understand like the the most detailed. Uh, things right, like like understanding if we can get real technical for a moment, garbage collection, trying to figure out how to make sure I'm not, you know, uh, wasting resources and things like that. With programming, you don't have mm -hmm. to know all that, right? Just high level understanding the basic uh, 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 syntax and things like that. Yeah, well, it's like it. not everyone needs to be a writer, but everyone should still take English class, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, man, it's it's spot on, man. So I'm glad we had that conversation. All right, so. So another thing that I really wanted to touch on before we get you know out of here is 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 really understanding and this is for more of this is for the people that this is for the audience because I have a lot of people in my audience who are not very very technical but they love the conversation we have about technology and artificial intelligence like this podcast are really really hit them right because yeah. it's not we're not getting deep into the stuff that you and I probably could chop up about you know outside of it right we're getting into algorithms. Yeah. <laughs> supervised learning and things like that. Who cares about that for this audience, right? So this yeah. this audience, right, they really care about, they hear machine learning, they hear artificial intelligence, they hear, they hear data science, and all they can think about is, I may not have a job in the future, right? <laughs> and so, and so, and I get it, right? It's mm -hmm. like, okay, the robot, the robot, the machine is there, you know, they're gonna take my job, they're gonna take my career, you know, um, I'm fighting against it because of that, right? And I did some research, and there's and 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 people are saying 85 million jobs will be replaced uh, by machines with AI by the year 2025, right? So this is what they said, right? I know, right? <laughs> so this no. is what 2025. This is, no, <laughs> this is what report from yeah. the World Economic Forum said. Now, my yeah, belief. Yeah is that I don't think people should be worried about their jobs being lost, right? I think it should be more about, um, my belief is that they will shift the roles of jobs. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, you may, uh, something as simple as working at McDonald's, right? Mm -hmm. You may not be behind the register anymore, but the children, the, the children now, right, that we're teaching this stuff too, we need to teach them to be programmers or somebody that are developing those robots or understand that stuff that is behind the robot that's behind the register, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> totally. Yeah, right? no, and, and like, I think, uh, and I think that there's, there's uh, folks on both sides uh, of this, right? I think that there's both uh, folks that aren't 
super technical, don't necessarily know that much about AI that are you know worried about automation. Again, reasonably so. There's also yeah. folks on the AI side that are actively saying, you know, we're coming for your jobs, which is one of the reasons <laughs> reasonable. You're I, right. I, <laughs> people do do that, yeah. But I, I like I, I don't like Indico does not right. I actually I, I'm much more in in your sort of camp, right? And I think that generally you know, when you look back through history, right, that has been the the general arc is that, you know, when you see, and again, I think that, I think that people thinking that these jobs are going to be automated out of existence, I think mm -hmm. they profoundly underestimate how unique and special human cognition is, right? Uh, you know, and, and I think fundamentally, you know, some of it stems from this notion that like the stuff that humans are trying to get done is like some objective, function it's it's really not right we're trying to make ourselves happy right and no one is better at making humans happy than other humans frankly right right, right. So, right. so i think that like at its very very core that's why humans are never going to go go away it doesn't right. make sense no matter how advanced emotions, ai gets right? emotions right or or yeah i mean emotions are key yeah exactly it's like humans are a key part of the equation right it's like that's who we're building stuff for at the end of the day right mm -hmm. um so I think also generally when you look at the arc history, now what I think could be believable, right? Now I think that we could potentially do 85 million people's worth of work with AI in, you know, by 2025. But, you know, it, that's very, very different than saying we would displace 85 million people, right? right? That's saying that like we could maybe get, you know, every person in the workforce, you know, 15% more efficient, right? very, very different kind of thing, right? Because when you make people more efficient and when you build sort of this supporting material, right? E even if you look at manufacturing and people hold manufacturing up as like, oh, the manufacturing industry was like decimated by automation. It, it wasn't, it, it really wasn't, right? Uh, you have more people employed in that sector now than you ever have in the past, right? Yeah. But the sector just got so big that it broke up into several sectors, right? Um, right. And, and, and that's, I think that is what traditionally happened. Right. Is that you see even even today, there's not a single job that's ever been automated out of existence. Even the example that people use of an elevator operator still exists. There are still yeah. absolutely elevator operators out there. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's yeah, that, that's fundamentally the way that I look at it is that I think that each one of these steps, so long as we make it, you know, responsibly, I'm, there is absolutely risk. I don't want to say there's no risk. Right. But if you assume that we manage to get to the point where there is this is implemented widely and responsibly i think that you see i think that you see more better paying jobs that are less focused on real work right 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 no i, I agree you know and i always told myself as a developer growing up i was like automate myself out of a job that's what a mentor told me he said you, you want to automate yourself out of a job right and so i would sit there and make sure that by the time i'm done all the projects i want to do it's really mm -hmm. automated to where I don't have to really be there anymore. I can kind I of mean, that's awesome. Up to another one, right? Um, and, and I mean, developers have that gift, right? When you're deep into mm -hmm. it, and that's why I always say, man, if you can learn to be able to automate things, shoot at home, right? You're doing all these manual tasks all the time, and I'm like, look, just automate that crap, man. I'm tired of it. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I think that's the thing is like, you know, you look for an easier way to get things done, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, it just has a positive impact, right? Even right. if you're like buying something to then get that done, right? Like you're making your life better and whoever made the exactly. thing that improves it, you know, making exactly. their life better. 
Exactly right. Buying back your time, right? For certain exactly, things. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right? <laughs> you know, as it makes sense, right? Yeah. 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 So, so we talked about AI. We talked about education. We talked about religion with AI, right? And I love this topic on AI. Um, one of the things that I wanted to highlight real quick was the pros and cons, right? If you can give me what your thoughts are on like maybe one or two pros and then maybe one or two cons of AI, um, that would be great, you know, from somebody uh, yeah. that, that has definitely been heavily involved in it. What's your thoughts? I, I think that it's a it's a Spider-Man kind of problem, frankly. So I'm going to mm -hmm. sum up the pros and cons. It's just with great power comes great responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. And that is that is the issue with AI, right? There's that meme out there that's like, you know, machine learning, do stupid stuff faster with, you know, more energy, right? Yeah, and yeah. And that is the downside. And that's also the positive. Right. Is that like on the positive, we've got this new technology that I, you know, people are referring to as the fourth industrial revolution. And it yeah. can impact our lives that positively. That is absolutely a real possibility. On the flip side, right, you see people extremely worried about encoding all of the bad things in our society today into our society forever out into the future. That is also a very real risk. Right. And, right. and, and they're. they're fundamentally associated with each other, right? Because then also on the flip side, you say, okay, this is the really big problem is that we can code all of our issues forever into the future. The pro is that, okay, we've got now a, a numeric way of looking at it, viewing it, having transparency into it. We could potentially solve those problems as well, yeah. right? So I think it's, it, again, it, it, everything in AI, I think there's two sides to that coin is like you could make things bad forever or you could actually figure out how to fix them. Right, right. And and from my point of view, I think about, you know, reduction in human error, right? You know, you cool. got AI that can solve some of those problems, right? Take risks instead of like humans taking those risks, right? You know, minimizing radiation exposure at a power plant, something like that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Right? And, yeah. Then, uh, and then I look at some of the cons, I think about, okay, is there a possibility of an, a more unemployment? Maybe, right? You know, in the future, it could be. Yeah, uh, certainly, certainly, uh, in in a transitional state, especially, right? Right, right. And then uh, maybe humans being lazy. You know, when it comes down to things, you know, and like Wally. <laughs> you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. So, so uh, lastly, usually I end up I end with the dope, what I call a dope nugget or a gem, right at the end of the at the end of it. And so I do want to close out this podcast. I really appreciate you being on here, Slater. You know, is there, um, so from my point of view, based off of what we've talked about, and it's been a lot that we talked about, right? Education, AI, you know, all this good stuff. You know, it's important that we don't sort of silo off in a bubble in the field of AI, right? You know, that's something that kind of uh, hit me pretty hard based off of what we talked about. And then also allowing the flexibility with kids and exposure is key, right? Absolutely. Exposure and flexibility, Absolutely. those two words, exposure and flexibility, educational systems to start to really, really hone in on trying to allow that type of a world for kids growing up in the STEM field, especially, but also in, in, in general, right? right. In, and, and honestly in AI, frankly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So is there anything that you, any, any nugget that you wanna leave the audience with? I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I actually kind of like that with great power comes great responsibility. I think that that's, uh, you know, a lot of the, I, I, it's like kind of what I want people to have it in the back of their minds for the next decade, right? Because like, I think there's incredible, incredible potential with AI, but the risks are real, 
And while, you know, certainly, you know, there's the potential to build a better life for everyone. There's also, you know, the potential to do real harm and real damage, which we've, which we've already seen. Right, right. It's like, you can be so smart, but you can use it for good or bad. Which one? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's also, you know, like that a uh, little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, you know, like, oh, uh, right. yeah, I think, you know, like, let's, let's make sure it's like, understand what we're doing today before we automate it, not automate it and then understand what we were doing. Right. Right, 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 right. Yeah. All right. So before we end real quick, you know, let's be really quick. I always end with something that I like to call overrated, underrated. You know, we talked about it. It's a fun game. We want to know the genius, the fun behind the genius, if that makes <laughs> sense, right? So you have totally. these people that come on the podcast. They're, they're very educated. They know technology. They know about AI, supervised learning. They know about machine learning. They know, we can talk all the techie geek stuff in the world, but we want to know how fun is this person, right? You know, <laughs> what what do they think about outside of it? You know, so some of the traits, some of the characters, some of the things that are pretty uh, uh, fun in this world to talk about and, and have different discussions about besides technology, right? So I I, I bring overrated, underrated. And so I ask you a serious question, series of questions, and you say whether you think it's overrated, underrated. You get to decide whether you want to continue uh, to explain it. If you want to, that's fine. If not, then we just keep it moving. But I have about a good six, seven, eight questions here. You know, so I'll throw out a word, and you say overrated, underrated. Ready to Perfect. go? I got it. All yeah. Right, cool. All right, school. Underrated. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, underrated. Guys, start, ah. start, start hard. In the U.S., ah. underrated. I did. I did. Yeah. In the U.S., underrated. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. In the U.S., yeah. underrated. Maybe not okay. in every country. Okay, okay. All right, plants. Oh, underrated for sure. Oh, uh-huh. man. Plants, I mean, they make you happy. They make the world a better place. Uh, mm-hmm. I foraged some uh, Hen of the Wood mushrooms last weekend. They were delicious. Oh, man, man. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. <laughs> all right, all right. Gaming. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to also go underrated on this one. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I think, you know, there were a lot of really great TED Talks talking about how gaming teaches, like, collaboration and collective mm-hmm. problem solving, right? And I, I think there's a lot to that. I think I think gaming, you know, it's... It's modern art, and I think there's games that you know teach a lot of really important social skills. Yeah, yeah, and I, and it's crazy because with gaming, it was a certain period of time, about three or four years straight, where people would say, "Man, you know, I guess depending on the generation, you would say, oh, my goodness, all they're doing, they're not going outside anymore. They're always inside. They're on the games, things like that." But when you start to sit down and realize what they're really learning from these things. It is benefits, right? It benefits to all these sure. different aspects of things, you know. And sometimes I mean, I'm thinking everything in moderation. To be fair, uh, there's definitely right, folks that right, game too much. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely, right? You're in the house, you're gaming too much, you know. You're not being exposed to anything else, right? You're just gaming, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get get get. I, I remember when I when my son would always play Roblox. I'm like, you are you're focusing on being the consumer and not the producer, right? <laughs> you know, things like that. And then I start realizing, yeah. okay. You know, when I started to sit down and it, a lot of times we make these assumptions without really understanding what they're doing and how it's working, and how it's com- uh, connecting with their brains, because the future is going to be things like YouTube and and gaming and all that stuff. Right. It's not really I mean, look at look at Minecraft. Right. And, and I think Minecraft is incredible. Right. Because because like especially if you've ever played Minecraft. Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, objectively speaking, Minecraft is a, it's a terrible game. It's just horribly made. The graphics are awful, right? Like it's you know not engaging, right? But but what Minecraft is, it's this like canvas for creativity, 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to see how uh, popular Minecraft is, especially with kids, right? Right. Because right. you think about it, and, and you think about, like, I never would have imagined that, you know, video games as this incredible creative canvas. I mean, you see the stuff that kids make in that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. On, on such on such a basic platform, right? Basic, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it does suck that, that that they created such a basic platform, but <laughs> it doesn't suck. I think it, I think it, the fact that it's so basic is what's so incredible about it. Oh, know? I never thought about it like that. That yeah. does make sense. No. All right, programming. I already know you what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, underrated, <laughs> underrated. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give maybe just to make things interesting. I'll say there's you know there's a slice of people I think where programming is overrated, but no, but I, I think by and large. Yeah, underrated. Right. Like when, when we've got a programming course in every high school in the country, then maybe I'll change my answer. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, sports. Overrated. Yes, overrated. finally <laughs> this one. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and maybe I'll, I'll specifically say professional sports, right? I yeah. think like amateur sports, like sports for kids, right? Like league stuff. That's great. Like that's that's like beautiful. I do think like there's there's a point like getting into college where it starts to get kind of weird and gross, right? Yeah. And, and I yeah. will say the thing that really changed my view about this is uh, uh, talking to kids in the Mississippi Delta. So like I did some work down there when I was in school and you talk to every single kid and you ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say basketball star. And at first you're like, oh, that's cute, right? Uh -huh. And then you realize that they literally don't know that there are any other professions right? Exactly. They believe that that is the only path to success. And so they don't pursue academics. So mm -hmm. that's why I think sports, I'd say overrated. No, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. And I'm always saying, you know, exposure, right? We go back to exposure, right? Because totally. you're growing up and you're thought because you're exposed to these things, you're exposed to this sport, this sport. And even sometimes, like you say, basketball mm -hmm. only, right? You know, there's other sports sure, out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> basketball, football, things like that. You know, those are the only sports that you sort of see. And then in the Mississippi Delta, you would probably see that, right? You know? Right, um, right, right. But you think about, you know, there's other things out there, right? Why not exposure to data science, data analytics, right? At such an early age, totally. why not exposure to some of those things um, to to be able to help educate them? It's all about exposure. You know, I always, I think, always I think that's that. the thing, right? It's all about exposure. And that's also why, like, I think all the amateur and like little league stuff, that's, that's awesome. Right. I yeah. think probably too much focus on, you know, whatever baseball and basketball and football, right. The, the main three. Right. But I think even that's, even that's starting to change. It's kind of cool in the Olympics, right. Seeing right. You know, like skateboarding and surfing and rock climbing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. think again, it's, it's just like exposure. I think the more that is, yeah. Cor cornhole curling. Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. Do it all. Right. You never know what's got, what you're going to love. Right. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So energy drinks. Uh, I'll go, I'll go overrated on energy drinks. Overrated. Okay. Uh, okay. like I drink a lot of them. Uh, yeah, we got actually, oh, man. <laughs> all right. Little, there's little, little, just a bit of Indico lore. So, you know, those big, like two pound jelly bean, uh, things you get at Costco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we've got one of those. And like in, in the very first like couple of months of Indico, like my co-founder Diana turns to me and like we're both drinking Red Bulls, of course. She's uh -huh. like, all right, every time we finish a Red Bull, we take the tab off, put it in the jelly bean tank. It's like, that uh -huh. thing is massive. So, you know, seven years later, we're still filling it up. Uh -huh. uh, but there's like, I don't know, there's like a thousand tabs in there or something. 
Uh, oh my goodness, my goodness. Yeah, that's but but I don't but I don't drink them anymore. I think I think black coffee, you know, that's nature's energy drink. That's where yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. When you think drink things like uh, you know, Red Bulls and and all that stuff, you know, it can have its cons, right? If you overdose on them, for sure. Oh, know, I mean, some folks go like nuts on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen people do like three or four, or five men in a day, you know, and I. And I can do that because I get jittery just off of one sometimes, you know. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. All right, ice cream. Uh, I'll go overrated on ice cream. Uh -huh. Um, only on very specific ice cream, you know. I think like I'm more of a popsicle man myself. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, last one. The printer. Uh, overrated, super overrated. In fact, I'll go, <laughs> I'm going like all, all physical media overrated. I yeah. like, I literally don't carry cash. Uh, mm. I take it as like a personal offense. It's why I will never go on a Greyhound bus again. They're the right. only bus that requires that you print it out. Uh, yeah. Overrated. Yeah. Somebody, uh, you know, there's yeah. actually, uh, my, my biggest life hack um, so the one thing I used to need a printer for was certified mail, uh, mm -hmm. right? So you like mailing, but there's a service now where you like, you email, you upload a PDF, they will print it out and send it for you. I'm just like, I'm, oh man, I know that just blew your mind. You was like, Thank oh you. yeah, that's mad. <laughs> that changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those things, you know, they change your life, you know, especially people that are really into technology. They're like, I hate anything that, that, that hate, that makes me print something out. I mean, if I ever have to go to an airport and I somehow am having issues with my app, right, to, to be able to scan my my uh, my, my boarding pass, if I yeah. ever have to print anything out, I think I would, it, it, it kills me just to have to go there. I'm like, it's almost like you're like, oh man, you know, I can't believe I'm with these people who have to print stuff. <laughs> like in, in the 21st century, right? It is 2021 and I'm still. Right, right, yeah. exactly, you know, so. I get you. I get you. All right. Yeah. So I, I just want to thank you again, Slater, for being on this podcast. You know, um, again, everybody, the audience, you know, they they always love to bring they always love when I bring guests on like you who can educate them, you know, not get too deep in tech, technology, but they know that you're smart enough. You can do that. Right. You know? <laughs> right. If, so, you, if you threaten me, I will. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so. Um, again, audience, thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. This is your host, Dapper Data, and, and we've had a genius on here, right? You know, I like to call it genius, somebody that is 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 making a difference in the world from a technology standpoint, educational standpoint, uh, has a lot of great nuggets on how we can educate the generation and the kids in the future. Um, you know, where can they reach you at, Slater? And, and is there anything that you're promoting now that you want any conferences or anything like that, books or something? Yeah, uh, so we just did a relaunch of our website. Everyone should check out indicodata.ai. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can reach out on Twitter or ask me a question on Quora. Uh, thankfully, there's pretty much no one else with the first name Slater, so I'm not too <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and everybody, you can always subscribe to the Data is My Science podcast. Uh, the link is is in the bio of you know my different social media platforms, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. You can always find me on Mr. Dapper Data um, within my social media posts, and also uh, definitely check out my book right www.mrdapperdata.com/dapperbook. 
and and thanks again, Slater. It's been a pleasure for having you on. You know, and again, audience, you know, definitely tune in next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data.